We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. I mean, I am doing this. What is this, you might ask? This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? I am your host, Joshua Julian, and I am introducing you to the final new part of this show. As I, we have talked about on the last couple of shows, we are expanding the What's the Good Word podcast, the What's the Good Word universe. We are now including all of Metro Atlanta and Cobb County. And today we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Hawks. Now, this podcast was started as a Georgia Tech podcast, and Georgia Tech is still the backbone of this podcast. We still hope that you stick around and listen to the Georgia Tech content. But in order to cover all sports Atlanta, we are going to be talking about the Falcons, the Braves, and the Hawks in addition. Because what's the good word applies to Georgia Tech, but it also applies to all the good sports. What's the good word on the Atlanta Hawks franchise? What's the good word on the Atlanta Falcons' new head coach? What's the good word on the Atlanta Braves going for a seventh straight division title and maybe another World Series? I guess we'll see. And so that's, again, If as we talked about on the last show where we talked about Georgia Tech, if you want to listen to just one of the teams, that is completely fine. We hope that we can keep you as a subscriber and you check in for the, the shows that you want. If you want to listen to every single team's episodes, we are your one-stop shop. You will get all the news, all the analysis, all the projections. If you're only interested in one, two, maybe three just check back whenever you want. Um, delete the ones you don't want to listen to and listen to the ones that you do. We are happy for any kind of engagement and listenership that we get from you guys. We are happy to have you here as our fans. We appreciate you, and we are just trying to provide even more to the podcast. So, um, But if you do want to get in touch with me, give me some feedback on the show. You can email me at joshuajulian26 at outlook.com or... You can follow me on TikTok and DM me there because if you want to find even more content that I create, I am on TikTok, Sad Atlanta Fan 1113. I break down a bunch of different prospects there. That's kind of my hidden passion. It's been my passion since I was about 13. So if you want to watch me break down this upcoming NBA draft or talk about the Detroit Tigers and why I think they have a great farm system, uh, you can follow me on TikTok at Sad Atlanta Fan 1113. But anyway, I digress. Today, we are talking about the Atlanta Hawks. Now, I'm recording this on Thursday. It will be uploaded on Friday. And that is when the Atlanta Hawks continue their season. They have been on the all-star break. They have had some time off. So it's kind of time to preview the rest of the season. What what are we looking for the rest of the season? And what what is the expectation? And then we're going to talk about kind of basically my big picture view of the Atlanta Hawks franchise because this is the first episode. I kind of want to establish where I am at currently with the Hawks so that way you'll realize that I'm probably going to be repeating myself a lot because I've been repeating myself a lot for the last eight months whenever I talk about the Hawks with somebody. But that's for later in the show. Right now, we are going to talk about where the team currently sits and what to expect. So currently, the Atlanta Hawks are right on the right side of the playoff line. They are, have the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference with a record of 24-31. and 31. They are 19 game be- games back from first place. 
So that's probably not attainable. But in terms of the teams above them, they are two games behind the nine seed Bulls. They are six games behind the eight seed and seven seed Heat. And then they are about seven and a half games behind the sixth seeded Pacers. So to sum it up, the odds of the Hawks not going to the play in tournament and getting one of the top six seeds and only having to play the first round are not great because the Eastern Conference is relatively top-heavy, you'll see. Um, The Celtics have a six-game lead on the two-seed Cavaliers. The Cavaliers have a a one-and-a-half-game lead on the Bucks. Those are the three best teams, and then you've got teams like the Knicks, the Sixers, and the Pacers, who have all been relatively good. They've had some injury problems somewhere, or they've just kind of, they're trying to figure some things out. But they are comfortably the top tier of the Eastern Conference. Um, And then, again, the Heat and the Magic are relatively close to the Pacers, so you could see some movement on that line. The problem is, after that, you then have the next tier of the Eastern Conference where you have the Bulls, the Hawks, the Nets, and the Raptors. I'm not necessarily concerned about the Hornets, the Wizards, or the Pistons. They are not good. Um, they have 13 wins, 9 wins, and 8 wins, respectively. So, or respectively. so we are not necessarily concerned about dropping to 13th place in the Eastern Conference. The question with the Atlanta Hawks is, will they do another play-in tournament? Because they've been in the play-in tournament the last two years. They've won all their play-in games. They've gotten to the first round. And they have, you know, last year, historically, they held their own against the Boston Celtics, which means they stole two games but then, you know, still lost in six because you can't expect too much else from the Celtics or from the Hawks. So as of now, that would be the potential scenario, especially since they are the 10 seed. Um, if they were to win their play in games, they would still have to be the eight seed because the winner of the seven, eight game goes on to play the two seed Cavs. And then the loser of that game plays the winner of the nine, 10 game. And the winner of that game plays the Celtics as the eight seed. So, We'll see what happens. Um, if you were to ask me, I would prefer for the Hawks to not make the playoffs just because it would be better for team building, but I'm never going to root my for my team to lose, so we're just hoping that something clicks. They look stronger and stronger down the stretch, and maybe they make some noise, but either way. Um, in, in terms of like what kind of games they have left, if you're looking at the schedule, I mean, obviously they're going to play a bunch of Eastern Conference teams. They are playing Friday against the Raptors and then Sunday against the Magic. So they've got plenty of chances to kind of build up a cushion between them and the teams that are below them or teams that are near them. But, you know, this this season is going to run into April. There's going to be plenty of games to follow. And in the end, you're just hoping that the Hawks are able to get to something resembling respectability on defense. That has been the big issue with this team is that the defense has not been good. They are actually the worst in the league in defensive rating and 10th in the league in offensive rating. So their offense has been comfortably above average, but it has not been good enough to make up for the fact that they are giving up, you know, 150 points to the Pacers and 144 points to the Clippers and 73 to Luka Doncic. And, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a 60 bomb in there somewhere. I don't, the Hawks are historically, or at least this season, like I said, um, they give up a lot of teams have their best nights against us, and that's not a coincidence. That's been going on for about three or four years now because the defense has not been good. Clint, Quinn Snyder did not fix the defense, which I think it was – I'll talk about in the second part of the show. That wasn't – that shouldn't have been the expectation. The hope was he was going to supercharge the offense, and there have been stretches where he has. The offense has looked really, really good. I mean, in the, those games I mentioned against the Pacers and the Clippers, you know, the Pacers scored 156. The Hawks still scored 151 points. 
you know, the Clippers scored 144, the Hawks scored 140. So the offense has historically not been the issue. It's the defense, which has been the issue for this team for the last, you know, three or four years. But in terms of performance from certain players and kind of what to expect, Trey Young is having his best year by far. And I'm running out of things to say and use to describe him because he is just otherworldly sometimes when he plays a game of basketball. He's currently averaging 26.7 points, 10.9 assists, 1.4 steals, um, 4.3 turnovers, and he is shooting currently 42% from the field, and he's raised his three-point percentage up to 37%. So, you know, obviously the field goal percentage isn't ideal, but when you are a smaller guard, it's to be expected. The three-point percentage is the most encouraging thing because he was struggling from three-point land earlier in the season. Uh, You also have a career-high three-point percentage from DeJounte Murray. He's at 36%. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is at 37. DeAndre Hunter's at 42 on the year, but he only takes like 4.7 a game, so that's you know part of the issue. And he does shoot 47% from the field, so he is struggling from two-point range, to say the least. Basically, the Hawks have been full of guys who are playing to their you know career norms. Now, Sadiq Bey has not. He is struggling from three-point range, and Jalen Johnson is not because Jalen Johnson is having a breakout year. But you know you haven't really seen an uptick from DeAndre Hunter. You haven't really seen uh, an uptick from Clint Capella. Even Onyeka Okongwu in increased minutes has been more or less the same player that we're used to seeing. And the problem is if you're not going to have those, you only really have eight guys on this team that play um, or make a significant impact. After that, you've got the Garrison Matthews, the Wesley Matthews, the you know Bruno Fernando, um, and all the young guys that continue to not get minutes on the floor. So as you've got your eight guys, and they're kind of holding serve. And if they're in a holding serve, there's no way to get better from last year because the Hawks didn't really make significant additions because they don't have any money because Tony Resler doesn't want to pay the luxury tax. But anyway, so you know you you've still you got two guys averaging 20 points. Uh, Bogdan's at 17, and Jalen is personally my favorite player at 15 points, 8.6 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1.2 steals, 0.9 blocks, while shooting. 52% from the field, 35 from three. I basically, The Hawks have maintained what they were last year. I just think the Eastern Conference has gotten better. Last year, the Hawks were 41-41. and 41. The year before that, they were 500 team again. It's just that this year, they no longer have the same type of teams that they can kind of, you know, subs, like subside on at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. It's three really bad teams, which the Hawks still can't comfortably beat. That For some reason, the Hornets always give them trouble. Um, and then you've got a bunch of middle-of-the-road teams that the Hawks will sometimes beat, but sometimes won't. Like the Bulls, for some reason, the Hawks can't beat. The Raptors always give them trouble, but the Nets have beaten them a couple times. But then you know you, they play like the Knicks and they play them kind of well and the Cavs I think they've beaten a couple times this year it's just it's the Hawks have kind of maintained they've stayed on the treadmill while other teams have made significant efforts to get better and that is where the second part of this show comes in that's the preview of the Atlanta Hawks season or what's coming up right the Hawks have a couple games left they're currently 24 and 31 fighting for their playoff life will they make the playoffs again we shall see. But the bigger question around the Atlanta Hawks is what does it look like after this season? Because, you know, this is the third straight year of the Hawks kind of treading water, right? The Hawks have been stuck in the mud, for lack of a better term, 
for a while now. And how do we get unstuck? And that's where we kind of see what was going on around the deadline. The Atlanta Hawks were rampant in trade rumors during the trade deadline. Um, Clint Capella was potentially available. DeAndre Hunter was potentially available. Bogdan Bogdanovich for the right price was available. And specifically, DeJounte Murray was available. Just two years into his Hawks tenure, it looked like the Hawks were going to move on from him. Now, the Hawks didn't make any actual moves. And I'll talk about that, about why in a second. But um, actually, I'll talk about it now because that leads into everything else we're talking about. The Atlanta Hawks did not make a move at the deadline for a very simple reason. It is not, it is not easy to make a move like that at the trade deadline. You know, and I've seen a couple people kind of frustrated that the Hawks didn't do anything, that they were inactive. And I understand, and I kind of wanted to see them do something too, just to break the monotony of what this team has become. It's just become, you know, more of the same year after year after year. The Atlanta Hawks did not trade DeJounte Murray and Clint Capella because they, it, it takes a lot to kind of completely reset your roster on the fly in the middle of the trade deadline. And that's that's part of it. The other part of it is, especially with those two players, there has to be a very, very specific team fit and need that lines up for them to get moved. You know, DeJounte Murray is ball dominant to say the least. He's not very, he's not great off the ball and he, his effort and his focus kind of waxes and wanes when he is not the focal point of an offense. So if you're going to trade him to a team in the middle of the season, you've got to be trading him to a team that already needs a ball dominant heliocentric point guard. And it's really hard to find a team willing to take that on in the middle of the season. Because even if you find a team that's willing to do it, even if it's not, you know, the way that way yet, they now have to change their entire offensive philosophy to accommodate to this to Russell Westbrook light, basically, in DeJounte Murray. So, you know, finding a team willing to do that is actually quite hard. Same thing with Clint Capella, especially because he's owed like twenty million dollars. Um you got to put him on a team with shooters. You can't just drop him in any situation and he's successful. It's got to be surrounded by shooters. He's got to have a point guard that can set him up on the pick and roll. It's got to be a team that runs a lot of pick and roll because otherwise Clint Capella doesn't really do a ton. So it always made a little bit more sense to me that the Hawks would stand pat, just kind of let the season play out, and they'll figure it out in the offseason. Because in the offseason, it's a lot easier to do this kind of large-scale upheaval of your roster. And other teams will be looking to do it as well. You know, teams that some something didn't work out, they're looking for a change. You know, for example, the Lakers or the Pelicans or maybe even the Spurs. It, it will see there's going to be a couple teams in the market for a point guard like DeJounte Murray because DeJounte Murray is still a good basketball player. Do not get me wrong. He's a pretty consistent 22, 5, and 6 guy on the Atlanta Hawks. He showed before he came to the Hawks he can be a 22, 9, and 8 guy. So it, plenty of teams will sign up for that. There's a reason the Hawks were willing to give up three first-round picks for him. He is a very, very talented basketball player, and he has shown with the Hawks he can play a little bit off the ball and hit some jumpers, and you know he's improved his three-point shot. That's That's the biggest thing of all, although the defense has slid backwards, which was the main reason the Hawks got him. But uh, anyway... So I fully expect this offseason, if the Hawks are serious about winning, DeJounte Murray will be available. Clint Capella will most definitely be available. I imagine DeAndre Hunter will be available if to get off just to get off his contract. And potentially Bogdan Bogdanovich, his value will never be higher. The odds of him maintaining this level of production and continuing to be this effective of a scorer are not the greatest. He does have a history of injuries, specifically lower body injuries, which is very concerning for his future. 
and then I mean Dejounte has you know signed for four more years. He's going to start his extension, I believe, this coming season. Clint Capella's got a year or two left. DeAndre Hunter's going to have like three years. There, any team getting them will be getting security. But it, you know that's a pretty significant ask for them to take on that kind of long term money. But that brings me to my next point that I really wanted to talk about, and that is how did we get here, and where can we trace this run of mediocrity back to? Because remember, this team in in 2021 made the conference finals. They ran through the playoffs. They they beat the Knicks. They beat the Sixers, who were heavily favored in seven games, and they pushed the Bucks to six and. Believe me, I've been banging this drum for a while. They probably would have done even more if Trey hadn't gotten hurt himself in that series. But we're not going to relive that. We're going to relive how did they go from that to a 500 team? How did they find themselves on the treadmill of mediocrity? Because everything was looking up. This was going to be one of the best young teams. They had a bunch of young rotation players. What happened? Well, the thing that I go back to, and it really showed how... Specifically, Tony Resler wanted this team to be run. Goes back to the John Collins situation and how they handled his free agency. John Collins was the second best player on the Hawks for the longest time. Um, and I, I, I'll say it again. I've said it to plenty of people. He got done wrong by uh, the Hawks management because he was a 20 and 10 guy. He was fantastic. He was the main lob threat. He was fan- he's fantastic in the pick and roll. He's so athletic around the rim, so coordinated. And so what did the Hawks do? They went out and they got a center who could only shoot in the paint and had to be the role man. So then you ask him to change his offensive game completely and become more of a floor spacer, which he does. And then you give more touches to DeAndre Hunter and you just continue to knock him down the offensive packing order. So he was continually being asked to play a different role. So it was clear that he was not viewed as a super-duper important piece of this team. And that's why he kept showing up in trade rumors. It was, you know, hey, if the Hawks are going to get better, it probably makes sense to trade this guy who is not playing the most, you know, the, the best role for him. He's not really playing to his strengths. He's been asked to add things to his game, which he's done, which makes him even more valuable on the trade market. So why wouldn't the Hawks just trade him? Because, you know, he's coming due for a contract. Well, the Hawks didn't trade him. And then they negotiated against themselves in free agency and signed him to a five-year, $125 million deal. And then immediately he was right back in trade rumors. So the Hawks, and they did the same thing with DeAndre Hunter. When DeAndre Hunter went to hit hit free agency as a restricted free agent, the Hawks more or less negotiated against themselves, gave him an above-market contract, and then immediately were like, okay, but he also might be moved. So the Atlanta Hawks have this mentality in the front office. This team has been too content with being good enough. And it's cost them, right? I, when John Collins went to free agency, the argument was, well, do they really want to commit this much money to a guy that, you know, isn't a main offensive contributor? He doesn't create his own shot. He's wholly reliant on Trey Young to score on offense. And he doesn't really do a ton on D. He's become a better defender. He's not a bad weak side, like help rim protector, but he's not you know, he's not going to guard on the perimeter. He's not a difference maker as a rim protector. He has to play next to Clint Capella for the defense to not, you know, completely collapse in on itself. So should they commit that kind of money? And from every indication, John Collins didn't really have another offer out there, or at least nothing compared to what the Hawks gave him. The Hawks ended up giving him five years and $125 million, but then immediately put him back on the trade market. And so as they continued, they, they were paying him this kind of money. They see, they thought he was good enough, but then they didn't think he was good enough to really stay on the team. And that's how you end up trading him for you know a second-round pick or two in Rudy Gay. And it was the same 
same thing with DeAndre Hunter and that, you know, he, they kind of negotiated against him themselves. They, Oh, well, what if he gets this kind of offer? What if he gets this kind of offer? Let's just give him a bit of an above market offer. And the reason they do this kind of move is they convince themselves, well, there's not a better option out there right now. So we're going to just pony up. But then again, you have the issue of, well, they weren't good enough to change the fortunes last year or the year before. So why are they going to suddenly change the fortunes now? You know, DeAndre Hunter is who he is at this point. John Collins was who he was at that point. If the Hawks were not convinced that they were difference makers, why re-up and pay them more money and cap yourself out on this mediocre team? That is the problem, is the Hawks continue to commit money to this core when the core has not won anything. Even extending Bogdan Bogdanovich and Onyeka Okongwu this past offseason. Theoretically, in a vacuum, those deals are not bad. Onyeka Okongwu is one of my favorite players. I've been banging his drum for years. I feel like he should be the starting center at this point. But if you're going to continue to commit, you know, $15, $20 dollars a year to players who have shown you when put together, they're a 500 team at best. What do you expect? You know, Tony Resler can talk all he wants about how he wants to win a championship and his goal is to win and he's going to do whatever it takes. He, his actions speak a lot louder than those words. And his actions are, I am okay in the middle of the league. I'm okay being the 10th best team in the Eastern Conference as long as I don't have to pay the luxury tax. And that's as and as long as Tony Resler is doing that, the only way for the Hawks to win is to destroy their draft picks and just absolutely knock it out of the park in the draft. Which, you know, historically they have not been a bad drafting team. Jalen Johnson was a great last pick by Travis Schlink, and you know AJ Griffin has had a promising rookie season and then has not played at all this year because he got a new coach. I'm willing to give him pass. Kobe Bufkin looks like a solid pick too, but they're not playing. And that's what I want to see the rest of the season. I want to see the young guys play. Call Seth Lundy up. Call Kobe Bufkin up. When Muhammad Gay gets healthy, play him. Let's figure out what these guys look like right now so that we can continue to build in this offseason when hopefully we have wide-sweeping changes. But if they do want to be serious about winning, that's the only way to really get the fans back because I think a lot of fans are kind of disenchanted with the franchise right now. I If everybody on Twitter is to be believed... Um, everybody's just kind of like, okay, so they're, they are who they are. I'm not coming back until it looks different. And that's kind of where, I don't want to say that's where I'm at. Cause obviously I'm covering the team. I care, but I, I'm not surprised at what happened this year. I was hopeful that Quinn Snyder would be able to unlock a little something. I was hopeful that Quinn Snyder would be able to bring some more, you know, a little bit more upside to this team. And it just hasn't happened because the Hawks have not fixed their biggest problem. And it's been their biggest problem since they brought Trey young into the building. I love Trey Young. Trey Young is a fantastic offensive player. Trey Young needs people around him that play defense. All right, Trey has changed his game this year for the better. He is trying more and more on defense. I'm not going to, I mean, two way Trey is more a tongue in cheek kind of joke, but it's legitimate. He's not a traffic cone on defense anymore. Yes, he's small, he's skinny, he's got a short wingspan. He's never going to be a lockdown perimeter defender, but he is really grown in his ability to kind of pick his spots and make some plays where he is able to get steals and create turnovers. That is really the only way for him to be an effective defender. Again, he's not never going to be able to guard somebody one-on-one. It's the same way that Allen Iverson was an effective defender when he played. Because he was so small and so skinny, he was never going to body anybody up. But he used his quickness to his advantage to 
you know, play passing lanes, get turnovers, double team at the right time, and kind of take guys by surprise. And Trey has really shown an ability to do that this year. But you've got to surround him with guys on the perimeter that are long and switchable. Guys like Jalen Johnson, for example. Jalen Johnson has been the best defender on the Hawks team, and it's not particularly close. DeAndre Hunter was supposed to be that, and he's not a bad defender, but he's not a great one either. Uh, DeJounte Murray was supposed to be that, and he just, you know, clearly the the tape was wrong, or they didn't look close enough at the tape, whatever it was. He's become more of a, a gambler who plays the passing lanes, but dies on screens and can't guard anybody at the point of attack. So if the Atlanta Hawks are really serious about winning with Trey Young, and in my humble opinion, they should be, because Trey Young is the t- the type of star that you have to hold on to as long as you can. Until he acts out, you should not be at looking to trade him. So J- Trey and Jalen Johnson are your only two untouchable players, in my humble opinion. Everybody else is on the table. The Atlanta Hawks have to focus on defense. Get you guys that play defense and can knock down an open shot. Because with Trey Young on your team, they're going to find some open shots. Right? I mean, it... Trey Young, whenever he has been on the Hawks, whenever he is on the floor, the Hawks are at minimum an above-average offense. More often than not, they've been a top-five offense. So lean into that. Let him control the offense. Maybe find another guy who can kind of get his own shot and do a little something-something here and there. Maybe that's Kobe Bufkin. I'm hoping it is. But really just focus on getting guys with long arms that can slide their feet, stay in front of their man, get get some help side blocks, and we'll just we'll figure. I I want to see a two through five rotation on the Atlanta Hawks that can switch everything. Onyeka Kongwu is a great start there, as is Jalen Johnson. Get you two other guys on the perimeter that can just switch on screens, who can roam around and cause havoc. That is the way that this Hawks team is going to get better. If they can start playing defense in an era that is dominated by offense, they will be an outlier. And again, with Trey Young on the team, I don't doubt that this team can get to respectability on offense and maintain their, even in a season where we're talking about is the fit right? What's going on with all this? A couple guys have been in and out of the lineup. You know, Clint Capella is having a bad year from the floor. The Hawks are still 10th in the league with, with an eight man rotation and a couple shooters that are underperforming. And really there's only like two or three high volume shooters on this team. The Hawks are still top 10. If you, give Quinn Snyder a little bit more to work with on defense. I don't doubt that Quinn and Trey can find a way to make this a a top eight or seven unit, but that is, that is what needs to change. Ideally the Hawks would get a new owner, but that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So the GMs are just going to have to out punt their coverage, right? Out kick their coverage more or less. They're going to have to out perform with what they are given to perform with. And the main way to do that is changing the philosophy because this philosophy of all offense all the time only really worked once and it was in 2021 they took people by surprise ever since then they have been a 500 team at best so everybody's on the table except for Trey and Jalen and this mentality of he's good enough so we're just going to go ahead and do it I mean there's no there's no obvious replacement skill for skill sure maybe there's not an obvious replacement for DeAndre Hunter but find somebody who does something else just a little bit differently. Change the calculus, right? Uh, the definition uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right now, the Atlanta Hawks front office can be classified as insane because they have done the same thing over and over again. They've extended John Collins. They've re-signed DeAndre Hunter. They extended Bogdan Bogdanovich. They extended DeJounte Murray. They extended Onyeka Okongwu. They're probably even going to try to extend Clint Capella. They continue to re-up with this core and double down when this core has shown that 
on their best day, they're a 500 team. Change it. Change the calculus, please. Let's see what happens when you put defense around Trey Young. I'm intrigued. But that's going to do it for today's show. If you enjoyed, if you have a comment, like I said, you can email me at joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. Let me know what you think about the Atlanta Hawks. Maybe they should trade Trey Young. What do you think? I would love to get your takes, and I would love to talk about it on this show. But tune in next week for more talk about the metro Atlanta area and Cobb County as we cover all of your favorite Atlanta sports at this one-stop shop and where we ask the all-important question, what's the good word? What's the good word?